man a man, right? Come thou fount of every blessing. Yeah. So I just got to tell you something. Um, the Lord gave me a funny picture of something he's redeeming. You know, we've been talking about a view of looking back at things he's redeeming. I came, I was coming down the stairs and thinking about all you girls being dressed in these shirts this morning and everybody matching. And so, one, you know, we all have different things that we get caught up in that really matter not at all. And, um, but one, I like things to match. Like, I am really particular about that. And in my early mothering days, I got ridiculous about that. Like, my daughter could not have on anything that didn't have a matching pacifier and a matching bow and a matching shoe. And when, I'm not kidding you, when we would, my husband was a pastor at the time, and I, this is when I was lost. And we would get we would get ready for church. If it was Memorial Day weekend, we were all dressed in red, white, and blue. And I would lay it all out the night before. If it was Christmas, we'd have matching sweaters, and they look ridiculous now when I look back at them. And all of those things, but so none purpose in any of that, right? But I was thinking about coming downstairs, and I thought, all the girls are going to be matching today, and yay! But it was for eternal purposes, right? Like to wear the Word of God, and, to, and I just thought, isn't that funny how he redeems everything, even those silliest, silliest little things. So, but it's... Yeah, yeah, but that's all right. <laughs> that's okay. You're, you're getting, I mean, the, the idea was really for by the time we're going to take a picture later together. So it's all great. It's all great. So it's a beautiful morning again, right? Just a beautiful morning. And Nicole and I, um, we went for a walk this morning and we tried to get a peek at the sunrise. It was super early after we had come around like little mice to hide your shirts, you know, at your door. And the Lord just spoke to me as we were praying over our time together just giving me a surety in my mind of what he's doing here and, and just speaking this idea of confidence. And, and I believe he wants to speak confidence into us this morning. But, you know, I have never in my life gone to bed and had a fear in my heart that the sun wouldn't come up again. I never have. Like, it's just such an expectation because I know it's going to do that and so uh, it was it was pitch black when we're walking but i know the sun is coming up and jesus is the light of the world right and so i that's that's the kind of fullness that i should rest in at all times that confidence that full confidence that even if life is as dark as it can be the sun is coming up because my god has told me all of these things that he's pouring out in my life and so when i go to bed and it's dark spiritually you know, when I'm looking at the darkness around me, I should have that same kind of confidence as when I do when I go to bed that the next morning the sun's going to come up. And we don't even think about it, right? It's because we just know that we know that we know. And that's the kind of knowing that God is trying to pour out into our hearts this weekend. So he's, we've been in Ephesians 1 all weekend, and God has, we've seen in that first section that God has turned on the full supply of his love, right? There is just this full, continual flow pouring out on us that, well, you might want to say these with me, right? He blessed me. He chose me. He adopted me. He pursued me. He redeemed me. He forgave me. He lavished me, right? He lavished me. And we've also seen, we talked about this yesterday, God's given us a view, right? A full view of the gospel. And also, our position as inheritor and his seal 
of our spirit of the spirit in us and and we can fully see the mystery of how a holy god could love and redeem someone like me and the, and, and in that gift of the holy spirit He's continually giving us a view of the things that he has redeemed, is redeeming, and, and will redeem. And now this morning, Ephesians 1 is going to aim right toward our individual lives with a fullness of experience, where we really experience these things. Because these are not just like theological, religious expressions in our Bible that we talk about in gatherings like this. This stuff is supposed to be a part of our lives every single day. Like it really can happen. This is the way that we really can live. In the middle of life with all of its drains in our, in our lives, and we all have things that are draining out the fullness, right? They're all different. We've all got different stories. But in the middle of all of that, we really can be filled up. We really can live that way. So as we get started this morning, what I want to do is share with you um, something from my own personal story that I really had not plan to share um, with, with anybody really much, but God has put it on my heart to share with the purpose that I think it really can be a benefit to your story and that it also can um, help us to understand this idea of a fountain and a flow. So I know I shared with you earlier when we first got here on Thursday night that this year as I really hit a wall with some things and realized how empty I was that I began crying out to the Lord for a supernatural revelation of his love and uh, one day just in the in the desperation and the reaching and, and just seeking God I went to meet with a Christian prayer counselor and I spent about two hours uh, with her praying and and just so you can get a picture of what it was like it was not her specifically laying her hands on me and praying over me for two hours but it was more of her helping me not not like we didn't sit and have a conversation we were in prayer for two hours but in this process she was helping me to find my voice with the Lord in in this season and be able to articulate some of the things that I just hadn't even really been able to give words to yet that were really draining me and then also helping me to listen to what God was saying and hearing him speak. And really, she didn't say much at all. She was just there prompting and, and moving me through this experience. And, and I had never experienced anything like it before. It was a holy time. God did some big holy things in my heart that day. And one of them was that while we were praying, the Lord gave me a vision of myself. And I was in his throne room. Now, I'm a really visual girl, I'm a visual learner, I'm just visual. And so, you know, God relates to us in, in the way that we are. He knows us, he created us, right? And so, from time to time, he will give me visions or he will give me pictures so that I can understand what it is he's trying to say to me. So I could see myself in his throne room, but it wasn't like I could really see, see God's face or see, you know, all of that. It was more that I was just aware that his throne was there, but I could see me in the throne room. And I was just this little girl, and if you can just picture, you know, the throne of God, like, like we probably all do, you know, just big, massive throne of God. And so it would have these like huge, like armrests on the throne. And what I could see was kind of just this side view of the throne of God, but I was down here, like hunched up underneath where the, the armrest was. And I was, I was this little girl, probably about seven, maybe eight years old. Now, let me say this before we keep going. 
I know that the gospel of Jesus Christ declares that I can come boldly before the throne of grace whenever I want to come. That I can speak to him face to face and that I can talk to him and he will talk to me. I know that. However, I think what the Lord was trying to show me in this season was this is what it's like right now for you, Sharon. You don't feel welcome in my presence. You're timid. You're fearful. And he was giving me a picture of that. So the scene went on, and, and there was some conversation between me and God, but I was just still kind of hunched down. You know, um, it, it wasn't like I was shaking with fear or anything like that. I was just, that's where I felt like my position should be. And God, during this time, you know, he's just so good, right? He's such a gentle, loving God. He just reached his arm down. He just starts stroking my hair. And, and just, I'm, I want to help you picture this, too. Um, when I was eight, I didn't have this funky haircut. So I had long, really long hair. And so God's just like stroking my head. And we're just talking. And even just like God talking to me was just like heavenly, right? And, and I got this sense that God wanted me there. And that alone did some really, really amazing things in my heart. But that went on for a little bit. And then God said something to me. And he just kind of whispered down. He said, I want you to give me what's in your pockets. Well, when I was a little girl, I had these pants, and I wore them all the time. You know how kids will get fixated on a certain thing that they like to wear? And they were the craziest pants. Um, this was, would have been the 70s. And so I had these purple bell-bottom jeans, like, you know, the big, I mean, bright, bright purple. And they had these yellow pockets, and they were right here, you know? And so those were the pants. I hadn't thought about those pants in so long. And literally, those were the pants that I had on. And so I just start reaching down into my pockets. And I'm down here, you know, and I'm reaching in my pockets timidly at first, but I just start pulling it out. And I'm just setting it up and just piling it up on the armrest of God's throne. And I'm not going to go into everything that was in my pockets that day, but definitely there was a lot of jealousy, probably more than anything. There was a lot of bitterness. There was a lot of disappointment. But I cleaned my pockets out. I put it all up there. And then I just was kind of looking up, and God just took his arm and just reached over, and he just scooped all of it right into his lap. And, and in, this, in this moment, I didn't see any of, any of that all again. But after he did that, I was looking up and I just saw his hand just reach over and there was this little box, it was like a gift box, the kind that you just take the top off, not that you have to unwrap, but take the top off and he just set it there. And it was just moments, you know. And, and I remember thinking, I wonder if that's for me. I wonder if he's putting that there because he has something for me. Like, well, I gave him all this, this is what he's gonna give me. And so before long, he just reached down and he, he grabbed my arm and he just raised me up to stand like right beside his throne. And, and I knew in my heart he wanted me to open it, but I was like afraid to open because I'm like, what is this going to be? You know, it was, you know, because so long I had had this fearful image of God, you know. And so I reached over finally and timidly pulled the top off and looked inside and I pulled it out and I was just looking at it because it was this faucet. It was a faucet, like just like the one that we put on our pictures. You know, the only thing, the, the handles were red on it. And this... That's the cause of flow, God flow. No, but this is what, this is what God said to me in that moment. 
I'll never forget these words as long as I live. They changed me. God said, Sharon, this is yours. You can turn it on whenever you want. This is yours. You can turn it on whenever you want. And for my own story, so much, so much came out of that, that prayer time with the Lord and a lot that I won't even go into now. But just sharing that with you, I'll tell you, it's really personal. I have not shared that with anyone until this fall. But I want to share this too. I know that maybe for some of us that might make us a little bit uncomfortable talking about visions and things. But, you know, God's very clear in his word that he speaks, that he gives dreams, that he wants, you know, his children to understand and, and that they will see visions and prophesy in dreams. And, and God might not have ever spoken to you like that before. And I want you to know it's not like he speaks to me like that every day. And there's just been a handful of times in my life. But I know this. I know this as sure as I'm standing here. Our God is a big God. And he wants to communicate with us. And I firmly believe that when we give him our ear and we give him time, he speaks to each of us in ways that we can understand. This year the Lord showed me, you know, even on the day of Pentecost when he broke open in all kinds of languages, and I know there's a lot of different views about that, but what was he doing? He was speaking the gospel in a way that everyone could understand. He wants us to understand. That's the core of what happened that day. No matter what you think about it, that's <laughs> what happened. He wanted all of us to understand. I'm a visual girl. He created me that way. He knows that. So he speaks to me a lot of times in pictures and in images that help me understand things. So please don't get hung up on the vision dynamic and miss what God has for us this morning. Maybe God doesn't speak to you like that, but you can know he wants to speak to you, and he does. And as we tune our ear to him, he will speak and will hear. So don't get hung up on the vision dynamic, but get hung up on this. I believe God is reaching down this weekend to raise all of us up, right? To see the gift that he has given us. He wants us to know, I have turned on the main supply. That happened when Christ resurrected from the dead. We are inheritors. We are beneficiaries. We have been given a position for God to pour out on us. And because he has done that, each one of us have an access a faucet that we can turn on whenever we want. It's a gift that has been given to us. See, I had not been in Ephesians when God did that for me. And about a month later, I was reading in Ephesians 1. And if I, my Bible had been like a kid's picture Bible, I'm telling you, that faucet would have been at the top. Because even after I left there that day, I was still like, what do I do with that? Like, how do you turn that on? I don't even know. I mean, I don't even know what to do. And so I was pondering that. And then the Holy Spirit, as our teacher, leads me to Ephesians 1. And I am like, that's what comes out of the faucet. I get it. And it was like everything broke open to me. And I began to understand and began to pursue and seek into this gift that God had given me. He had given me the supernatural revelation that I had been asking for. He's so, so good. He was helping me see in a very personal way, I have access to his love whenever I want. Remember how yesterday I, I shared with you how we turned a corner from us, right, to, to me, from, from the big we and us to individuals, right? Well, that day I turned such a big corner. And today as we read on, we're going to continue 
with this knowing that yes, God has turned this on for all people. It is his will that all be saved, that all would live in the fullness. But our reception of it takes place one by one by one by one, right? All of us have been given access to the flow of God's goodness and love. But each one of us has to decide, are we going to turn on? Are we going to turn on that flow in our own lives? It's there. We can turn it on whenever we want, right? The question is, will we do that? So I want you to read with me, starting in verse 15. Paul says, for this reason. For this reason, right? What reason? All right? And here's one of those context things. You know, you can't just jump in and go, go, what reason? Well, the reason of verse 14. The Holy Spirit wants to give us a view. He wants us to see. He wants us to understand, you know, all the redemption that God has worked, is working, will be working. That he's working in each one of us personally. That this is not just for the whole world. It's for every single one of us. He's speaking to a large group, but the you here is singular. And Paul is letting each one of them know, I'm right there with you, right? And I love that, that he teaches that way. You know, he doesn't hold himself above them, but he says, for this reason, I too. Like, I've had to experience this. I've had to come into knowing this for myself. I too. And he's so glad. Listen to what he says. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. He's so glad to know of their faith in the Lord Jesus. He's so glad to know of their love for one another. And you think about those two things, faith in the Lord Jesus and their love for one another. Those are the basic two things that categorize Christians, right? I would call those the basic two. I would even write that in your notes. Here's the basic two. Faith in the Lord Jesus. I mean, you can't be a Christian without that, right? That's where it all starts. You've got to believe in Jesus, put your faith in him, make a vow of devotion to him. It's faith in the Lord Jesus. That's a basic thing. And then what usually flows out of that? And what's one of the main things that you see among Christians? Love for one another, right? The Bible even says they'll know you by your love. That will characterize you. Those are amazing things. We say basic and that can kind of minimize their, their, their depth and their meaning. It doesn't minimize it at all. Maybe what we should even say is more like starting point. But, but I'm just for now calling them the basic too. And Paul is so thankful that he sees those things in them. He says, while I'm praying for you, I don't stop giving thanks for that. This is so great. See, many people never get to the basic two. And, and, and without that, you can't even get started. But it's so interesting to me that he is not willing to settle for just seeing them in the basic two. He's praying for them to experience way more than just faith and love for one another. I believe he's praying for fullness. And if you listen to his prayer, he starts out saying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. What is he saying? He's saying you need more than just knowing about Jesus. I don't remember. It was years ago, but it hit me sometimes. Just how many times I've been in situations where people pray, help us learn more about you, God. Help us learn more about you. Help us learn more. We do need to learn more about God. But we need more than knowledge. <laughs> We need more than knowledge about Jesus. Paul is praying for each believer to have a supernatural revelation of Jesus. He's praying that their knowledge of him 
will explode into literally experiencing him. It'll be more than just head knowledge. It'll be experience. And it's so interesting to me. We're going to read into this prayer more. But this prayer lines up so much with the prayer that we're memorizing, right? And that's because Paul wrote all of it. He's just pouring out his heart. Holy Spirit's directing it. So as we get started this morning, we want to pray our prayer, right? Because we're getting further and further, hopefully, of you knowing this prayer. So let's pray it out loud together, whether you need to read it or not. That doesn't matter right now. Let's just, let's make sure it's from our heart. Forget the memorizing part right now. Just make sure it's from your heart, okay? That's right, Cynthia, I love seeing you. Get your hands up, right? And just receive, okay? I pray that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith, and that I, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that I may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Amen, right? Amen. The heart of that prayer, the heart of that prayer is that God would let us experience his love. And that's what we're talking about this morning. And the first thing that we really have got to see, even just from the fact of what the essence of the prayer is, it's not something we can do on our own. We can't get it. Our eyes have to be opened by the Holy Spirit to, to see what God wants us to see. If Paul could have just told them, God loves you really like a lot, he would have said that. And they would have gone, oh, okay. Their lives would have changed. And that would have been. But why does he break out in this rich, like, like almost begging prayer, rich, rich words. It's because he knows this is something from heaven. We have to have this enlightenment. And that's why Paul continues even here. He says, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Remember last night when we were talking about the Greek words and how a lot of times you see the English word in them? This is that word I mentioned when we were doing Bible study 202. The word enlightened in the original language actually sounds like our word photo. It's the word photizo. It means a picture. So what is Paul praying for? A visual picture to come before our eyes so that we can really get it. We can really understand. We can really comprehend. Comprehend, not hand, comprehend. <laughs> this year, when I have been asking God to give me a supernatural revelation of his love for me, I was praying for a picture, and I really didn't even know it. <laughs> I was praying for my eyes to be open, my eyes to be enlightened, and what did God give me? He gave me a picture, <laughs> and I didn't even know I was asking for one. He told me, this faucet is yours. Turn it on whenever you want. Doesn't matter if it's a good day, if it's a bad day, if I've read my Bible that day, if I feel like God's happy with me, it doesn't matter. I can turn that fountain on whenever I want. I have access to it. I've inherited a position in the family of God where I live in the house of God. I live in Christ. So just like I can walk over to the faucet and get a drink of water whenever I want, I have access like that. God gave me a picture so that I could see and I can relate to it. So I can look at this and I was just amazed as I saw that. The, the prayer that I was praying, that the Holy Spirit was leading me to pray in my desperation, was spot on to what 
Paul was praying 2,000 years ago for all believers. And God puts it in the Bible for us to pray for ourselves as well. He directed Paul. Don't you know that Paul prayed a lot more prayers than this? And this, this same kind of prayer, the heart of this prayer, is mentioned both of these times and probably in some of the other epistles as well. The idea in these first verses of this part is very clear. Paul's saying it's great. It's so great that you've got faith. It's so great that you've got love for one another, but there is so much more for you in Christ than just those basic two things. So many believers just settle for the basic two. It's like a half cup, right? That God wants you to supernaturally know and experience the flow of all he's poured out. Every spiritual blessing. Not only has he released the flow of the breath of his love, not only has he given us a view of the length of his love, how long he has loved us and how long he will, but there is a height and there is a depth of his love that he wants us to experience. And what are we praying for? That we would know the breadth, that we would know the length, that we would know the height, that we would know the depth. Now, I know you copied these verses this morning, okay? And that's so great. That's just setting us up for this. But read the rest of these with me, at least through uh, verse, the first part of verse 19. I'm going to start in 17 again. Paul's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us to believe? Right here in these verses, and thanks, I love it they all did that. Right here in these verses, we find descriptions of three spiritual blessings that will literally fill us up when we turn on the faucet. Okay? And what I want to do, just for sake of understanding and just grabbing hold of these things in a way we can remember, is I'm calling these the big three, okay? These are the big three. And on your note page, you've got that circle with the, big, with the hearts, the three hearts. I would encourage you to write each one of these in one of those hearts as we work our way through, okay? That, that round thing, you know, as, as things come out of a faucet, they just kind of flow out of the faucet and they're just right there. And I, I got to tell you this just because God's so good. We picked that little thing just because we thought it was cute and it had hearts on it. And then I get to this part in the scripture and I'm like, oh my goodness, there's three hearts and it's flowing out of the faucet. And I'm like, God is so detailed. He is so cool. So anyway, that's why you just, you got to write those on there because again, those visual images, he's helping us. He's helping us to see. They'll take us to the height and fill up our being. But these things will reach into the depths, the places maybe that only you and God know about, that you are empty and that you need him to fill those places in our souls. Now, are, are these three things going to be everything we get when we turn on the faucets? Again, I don't think so. I don't think you can minimize the goodness and the flow of God's love into a, you know, a few sentences, right? But I do see these three as the carriers of the blessings that really inside each one of these three things are glorious things. So many glorious things that just break open in our hearts when these three things flow into our life. 
I, I believe that these three things are the substance of the living water that Jesus talked about at the well with, with that woman, right? And I believe that when our eyes are really enlightened, like when we really get a picture of what these things are, we will begin walking out this fullness. We'll begin experiencing it. And I'm not just talking about when we're at Bible study or when we're at church or when we're Christians. I'm talking about in the deep, dark places of our lives and in the high moments and everything in between. So let's look at them one by one. The first one is the hope of his calling. So write that word hope, right? If you want to write the whole phrase, if you write really little, you can do that in that heart. But the, the key word is hope. The hope of his calling. Hope's a powerful word, isn't it? I mean, such a powerful word. It's really a life and death word because without it, you really do shrivel up and die or merely exist. Mm -hmm. And probably a lot of us have been there in some of those times in our lives. The Bible actually says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Like you literally can get sick if you don't have hope. But when you do have hope, you live, right? You're looking forward with anticipation and excitement and, 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 and anticipating good things to come. It's a joyful, confident expectation on the inside of you. And it's just so good to be filled up with hope, right? We all probably had those moments too. But if you look closely here, Paul's praying for a very specific kind of hope. A very specific. And what is it? It's the hope of his calling. And so to get this hope, we got to get a picture of what the calling is. What is that revelation that he could give us of the calling? When we get that revelation, I think that's when hope springs up really out of that. You know, God called each of one of us into a relationship. He went running after us and said, don't you want to be with me? Pursuing us. I know even around the tables as we've talked about, even some people in our own lives that we just wish would come to know the Lord. You can pray this prayer that God would pursue them, right? That they would know the hope of his calling and they would stop running after other things. You can pray that for other people too. These are things not just that you can pray for yourself. You can take that same card and pray that over people in your life. Talking to God in this language is the way he loves to talk. This is his native language, his word. So we use it to speak right back to him. But God called each of us. Remember that verse we looked at on Thursday night? In Isaiah 55, where God said, hey, I've got this and this and this. Why don't you come and experience this? And it's not going to cost you anything. Stop looking for, for all your abundance in all these other places and come and get it from me. That's what God's saying. That's the hope of his calling. You get into relationship with God and there's hope because he has every single thing that you need. When you get a picture, when you get a picture, just like God gave me a picture of the faucet of his love that I can turn on whenever I want, you begin to see how his hope flows into everything. Doesn't matter what's going on. It's not about, oh, are things getting better? I bet that you're really hopeful now because you got a good report or you heard a good word. No, it doesn't have to do with the circumstance. It has to do with his calling, with what he's called you, who you're connected to. So much of this life even is like, well, you know, if you really know, if you know someone, then you might get that job. Or if you have a connection point, your connection point is the God of heaven who has everything. So there's so much hope in that. That hope will flow into every disappointment, every setback, every rejection, every moment of life, big, small, that empties you out. It produces hope 
knowing that you're in relationship and not only that you went and begged, oh, please, God, can I be a part of you? It's not that at all. That didn't even happen. God came and asked you. He called you into this relationship. He wants you there. You don't have to hide under his throne. He says, come on in. You have everything. You have access to everything that I am. Now, what does that look like? Personally, practically, what does it look like? Because it can easily get left into this, you know, oh, we're on the fall bubble getaway, and oh, that's how I want to live. And then you go home, and it's like, there's no hope, you know, right? And so we want to put it into some practical things, because this, what we experience here should go home with us into all these places. So what does that look like practically? So I'm just going to give you, I mean, a situation of something that really doesn't even matter, but it does, because it's the little things in our lives that matter. It's the, you know, there's, I always, when I go to the beach, um, I fill up like a water jug with an old, or an old um, like milk jug that I've rinsed out and I put water in it to take so that when I leave, I can rinse my feet off. You know, it's where I go. There's no shower or anything like that. And so there's no access point to a faucet. So I have to take my own, right? So, but there have been times when like a little pinhole has gotten like in or you know or it's just gotten worn out and sitting in the car or whatever and then I'll go open up the back of my car and like there's water everywhere it just takes a little thing sometimes for you to start draining out and it sits there all day long and drains like that so it's the little things a lot of times so let me just tell you about you know the other day this is just be an example to take this hope of his calling into practical just day-to-day -day life so I saw something on social media that just really kind of pierced a hole in my heart wasn't a big deal Right? It probably wouldn't be a big deal to anybody, but it was to me. And so it just caused a little bit of disappointment, caused some hurt, and it was like a little hole. And I just kind of started draining out <laughs> through the day. And, and a couple hours later, I'm driving down the road, and I'm just like so down. And I'm like in this funk. <laughs> and, and, you know, we all have different things that we run to, that we reach for when we feel that nagging ache of emptiness, right? I have different ones. One of the big things for me is food, and I've struggled with it for years. I have to really, uh, God has taught me so much that I will try to fill myself up on food because I, what I really, I'm not even hungry, but I'm, I'm hungry, like, right? I'm thirsty because I'm needy on the inside of something only God can give me. So I like was like, I just need to go get some ice cream. I mean, like that was like rising up and it wasn't even related to what had happened, but I just had that nagging, nagging thing. For you, it might be other things and there's all kinds of things that we can do that with. But I battled with that for a few hours just in this kind of funk and I'm driving down the road and all of a sudden like I just have that picture of that faucet like sitting in front of me and the Holy Spirit said Sharon it's yours you can turn it on whenever you want <laughs> and I'm like oh yeah right that's right I can and so even just driving down the road I just positioned myself and I thought God you called me into relationship with you yeah, that stings, that hurts, but I just started rehearsing some of the truths that I know and the things about my God, and they just started pouring into me. And before long, I'm singing, I'm feeling good, and I'm like, oh, feel good. And I didn't even really like go through, okay, now I have hope, now I'm okay. It just, everything changed. My whole outlook on things changed. It was just that simple. Like in that moment, just like if I had been thirsty and went to take a sip of water, I turned it on intentionally, and I could have easily just said, no, that won't work. And went and got my ice cream, right? But instead, I turned 
to what I knew to be true, and I, I positioned myself in my thoughts, in my mind, and I let it flow into me. Now, did it change the circumstance? Not one bit. Did I have to deal even with the information of that circumstance several more times? Absolutely. But the magnitude of the circumstance changed. The sting of the circumstance changed. The emptiness of the circumstance changed because I got lost and filled up in all I know of Him. Having a relationship with God through Christ and in the power of the Spirit breathes hope into everything. The littlest things, like a social media sting or, you know, some big traumatic thing in our lives and everything in between. If I will, in my heart and mind, choose to turn on my faucet and let let the goodness of God pour into me, they'll fill me up with hope because I'm connected to, I'm called into a relationship with someone who has every single thing that I need, right? All right, so what's the second of the big three? He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You gotta like prepositions to like Paul. So they're everywhere, right? Okay. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Just write riches in your little heart, okay? Go all the way back in history. Any civilization, you could go anywhere in the world today, and you will see a common theme among man, and it's this. Man seeks riches. We all do it. We all do it. How much he can acquire. Yes, financially. Absolutely. But the riches of this world go beyond just finances. They reach into things like status and favor and degrees and accomplishment and pleasures and possessions and comfort, right? All kinds of riches of this world. You even go as far back as Adam and Eve. The root of the last thing that Satan spoke to Eve was you don't have enough. You need more. God lied to you. He lied to you, and he's holding out on you. Don't you want more? And it seems that we all do, right? We all want more. Because the riches of this world really do have the potential to fill us in a momentary way. I mean, we all enjoy enjoyment, right? We all enjoy security. We all enjoy knowing I can walk into a store and I have the riches to just buy whatever I want. The riches of this world give us ease. They give us comfort. They give us beauty. They give us all these different things. So it's no wonder that we strive after them and we reach toward them and we fill them up and many people even hoard them, right? And just keep trying to just keep and keep and keep. But the problem is the riches of this world only fill to a certain degree because they are a counterfeit of the real riches of this world, the real riches that our souls crave. Because you and I were not created to be filled up with the riches of this world. We were created to be blessed by the riches of this world, but we were created for a different kind of wealth. The idea when Paul prays for us to get enlightened to the riches of the glory of his inheritance is that we have access to riches that we don't see. We haven't comprehended it. We haven't gotten a picture yet. No one can explain them to us. Words can't even describe them. Maybe we don't even know that I need, that I need them or we don't as a group know that we need them. So many people in this world don't even know they exist because they're so captivated by the riches of this world. That's why we all need our eyes to be enlightened. That's why this prayer is so important. And I really believe the beginning of the enlightenment starts with this, that his riches are better. 
God has to convince us of that. God has to convince us of that. See, when we take our position as an inheritor, like verse 11 talked about, we begin to experience the riches of God. We begin to experience a richness that goes deep into us, that nothing this world could ever get that deep. We begin to experience a richness that rises high in our souls and takes us to the height of life. Not too long ago, our pastor's wife um, was sharing in our church, and she shared from you know a passage that we all know, we probably all could quote from Psalm 23, the first line, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? But she shared it from the New Living Translation that says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. And she said this that night, and I, I mean, I just wrote it down. She said, if I could just get that, life would be fine. That God has everything that I need. Like if that really seeped down into the deep parts of my soul, oh, it would fill me up so much. It changed so much about my life. But here's the thing. Most of us don't grasp that. Most of our eyes have not been enlightened to that. And when I say most of us, I'm pointing a finger at me too, Right? It was true for the saints during Ephesus' time. It's true for us as well. We have faith. We love one another. But we're missing out on the fullness. So we spend the majority of our time, the majority of our money, the majority of our thoughts, the majority of our efforts and energy, striving and straining to get more. Just got to have more. The gains of this world. And not just finances, but other things too. Thinking they will fill, but they won't. But the riches of the glory of my inheritance and the saints will fill. They'll fill me emotionally, mentally, physically, financially, with hope, and all these things in every season and every way. I personally have only gotten glimpses of this enlightenment. It's something God's been working in me for the last couple of years as we've just been dealing with some other things in our lives. I still have so far to go. Like I feel like I'm just trying to like get a view of it. But... In the last couple of years, like I said, God's been just speaking to me so much about his riches versus the riches of this world. How much better his riches are. And I get glimpses of that. And you know, while God's been speaking to me about that, I hadn't even seen this big three thing here yet. And so it was so interesting to me. I was meditating on this passage the other day. And again, Holy Spirit giving us a view of the things that he redeemed. When God first got a hold of my heart and really had pursued me at the age of 29 and I started really opening up you know and letting him begin to fill me one of the very first things that he biggest works I, I would say that God did in my life was a work of hope it was a work of hope God changed me from a depressed you know discouraged girl to being one I live with conviction of hope I mean my life I don't really have a life verse but if I did it would be Psalm 27 13 and 14 I would have despaired like there's plenty to despair about I would have unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the living be strong and let your heart take courage and hope in the Lord that's like my verse that I cling to I live with hope now like God has enlightened my eyes to hope the hope of his calling he did that work in me a long time ago but God the Holy Spirit began showing me, Sharon, what have I been working in you the last two years? The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, seeing how much better his riches are, and power. Those are the two things that God's been dealing with me more than anything else. He was dealing with me about the big three. He's trying to pour them into my life, and I had not even seen that yet. And so it was so glorious to me to see, look at what God's been doing, and I didn't even see, but God gave me a view of that. One of the things that God has shown me in this work that he's been doing 
in this area in my life is that the American church is so steeped in materialism. And I am a part of that church. And so because we are so steeped in materialism, that materialism is like a wall blocking our view to the riches that he has that are so much better. In fact, one of the most sobering things he showed me is for so many believers, the main motivating reason that they even seek God in the first place is because they're asking him to give them the riches of this world. What are their prayers? What are our prayers about so much? God, give me this job. God, give me this house. God, make this work out so we can have this or we can live here or I can be this. Or I, and it's all, you know, and then we maybe a little bit say, God, show me your glory. God, show me what you have. Show me who you are. We're just so steeped in it we don't even see. Instead of having our eyes enlightened to the riches he had for us, our eyes are just so fixated on the riches of this world. Even just this morning as I was meditating on this, the Lord showed me, you know what? I want you to sit and release and receive so that I can fill you with my riches. And most of my children are sitting and releasing and receiving in front of the world, in front of the riches of this world and going, please fill me up. Like we're like, we are willing to empty out our lives of our time, of our bank accounts, of our whatever, just so we can then turn our hands to the world and go, okay, fill me up. Like we'll spend, we'll spend years and hours of our life getting a degree and never read our Bibles. What are we searching, searching for, seeking, right? The riches of this world. We'll empty out our lives. As we sit in front of the, the materialistic things, the blessings that God created us for, and never even seek him for the riches that he has. It, and that's not designed to crush us. That's designed to say, rise up and see the gift that I have for you. Because you get all that stuff, and then you're just as empty as you were when you started. You know, I shared at the table some that I... When, when I was in that place of neediness in my 20s, and I didn't even realize what I needed, my I was dealing with infertility for quite a few years. And it was, it was the tool that God used in my, in my life to break me and to cause me to come to him in a desperation and to realize I can't work hard enough and get there, right? Because that's what America tells you. You work hard enough, you'll get what you want out of life, right? And, and I was that girl. You work hard enough, you get it. And it didn't matter what I did. I couldn't get a baby. So I thought if God would just give me a baby, everything would be right. On my baby's first birthday, she had been one of the greatest gifts and still is to me. But I realized I am just as empty as I was before God gave me to her, gave her to me. And that was really the beginning of me just saying, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. She was such a blessing, and I don't minimize that. But, I mean, she is truly one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given me. My children are, and, and because they are adopted, I know that I know they are gifts from God. They each have such amazing stories around their adoptions, but they are gifts from the Lord. They are not him. The riches of this world. Even our children can become our idols, right? Yes. The riches of this world cannot compare to what God wants to give us. So many times our eyes become enlightened to the riches of this world, when, or to the riches of the glory of God's inheritance in the saints when we don't have them. Like, for instance, in my story in that way. Like, I didn't have what my soul was really craving, so I began to seek it. And, and, and that's what we do a lot of times is God allows us, he allows afflictions in our lives to get us to a place so he can give us what's really better. Mm -hmm. 
right? We allow the enemy to tell us, well, if God really, if God's doing that in your life, well, he must not love you. No, God allows that because he loves you so much. He wants to give you the best that he has. I know for me, peace has been one of those things. I mean, peace is one of the riches of the glory of his inheritance. What did Jesus tell his followers? I'm going to give you a peace that the world cannot give you. And it is a different kind of peace. We can get uh, you know, a superficial kind of peace when things work out. Oh, I feel so much better, right? But it doesn't last. It drains out because the next thing happens. You know, I don't have any peace. I'm filled up with anxiety. But we get the peace from God and it surpasses understanding. That's what the Bible says in Philippians. It's a peace that only he can give. And I know a, a few years ago, you know, um, our family was going through a lot of junk and, and I was so desperate for peace. Like, I didn't care if we had money for groceries. I needed peace in my heart. And I began to seek God for his peace. In that lack of that spiritual riches, I cried out for it because I needed it more than I needed anything. And God opened up my eyes to that part of his riches, how much better they are than anything the world can give. And, rich, you know, the peace is something we inherit. That's part of our inheritance. It's part of the riches. And I've come to a place now, you know, I also have a great conviction about peace, that I can live and walk in peace. And now with this idea of the fountain, this picture that God's given me to know, anytime I want, just turn it on. Just turn it on. I don't have to have a bad day. I don't have to be all in turmoil. I can turn on the peace of God. I really can't do it. It's nothing like it. You, you can't get it anywhere else. And I know, you know, you like me, as I wrestled through that month, and even still, I'm getting an idea of, okay, what does this look like in my life every day to just know that I can turn it on? Um, you know, you might be going, what does it mean, though, to turn on the faucet? Like, because I don't really have a faucet, like, where God's stuff is going to flow out, you know? What does that look like? And, and I was asking the Lord, how do I explain that, God? And this is the word he gave me. Turn turn. It's a turning of the faucet so that it can flow. And that's, that's the simplicity of it. It's a turning from whatever you're, you know, experiencing that's draining you and you turn. You turn to God. You turn to his face. You turn to his truth. You turn to his goodness. You turn to his life. You turn to his love. That might look like a bunch of different things. That might mean you get in your Bible. That might mean you just sit and meditate on the goodness of God. That might mean you just sit there and hold your hands open and say, God, I need you. That might mean you worship. That might mean you start speaking truth aloud. That might mean so many different things. So many different expressions of relationship with God, but you turn to him. That's the key word, and it's that simple. And, and in the different ways that we relate to God, it will look different. You think about all the different kinds of faucets that there are in the world, you know, and especially in our, you know, crazed, you know, home decorating era that we live in. I mean, when I was growing up, maybe there was a hardware store. Now you got home stores and this, that, and everything you can get, you know, but all the different kinds of faucets. God, God's faucet comes in a lot of different ways. You can turn it on. It, but the key word is turn. But here's the thing. And I know this, I'm speaking of this from experience. So many times I just resist turning it on. Why is that? Why do we do that? Resistance is a huge thing. Becky uh, shared with me earlier this year, she was reading a book about resistance and how it, it really... Um, just controls our lives in so many in so many ways. 
I drink water all the time, but sometimes I get tired of drinking water, partly because then you just gotta go to the bathroom. You know, it's a vicious cycle, right? But sometimes I will be so thirsty and I just will not, my water cup will have ended up across the room and I'm working and I'm just like, I'm so thirsty, but I will not get up and go walk over there. And I know I'm thirsty, but I'm, just, I'm busy and I don't want to do it. But that's what we do spiritually so many times. We're, we're sitting there and the Holy Spirit can be going, you have a faucet. And you're like, yeah, but I'm busy. Yeah, but I got, are you, that is so funny. I think she identifies with it. Oh, okay. Oh my God. Oh no, it's great. Joy of the Lord, right? Yeah, but you know what? We resist. Don't we resist? Don't we go, I'll get to that. This is really important. Like, Maybe, yeah, okay, I'll read my Bible tomorrow. Yeah, i got to deal with this. i got to make this phone call. i got to tell this person because this is mad. You know, we just get all caught up and we resist. And the fountain's there. The faucet's right there. Turn. That's the word. It's that simple. We turn. Whatever that looks like for you in that moment can look a myriad of different ways. When you're desperate enough, you'll turn. When you're desperate enough, you'll turn. If you've ever been in a situation where you do not have water, you don't have access to it. He will do whatever you can do to find it. You'll turn when you're desperate enough. What's the third one? What's the third one? He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? That's right, speak. Paul is praying. He's praying for the surpassing greatness of his power to be enlightened, our eyes to be enlightened to that. See, we don't see it. We look in the mirror, we see weak. We see we can't. We see the way we've always been. And we just think that's the way we're going to be. And yet we have access to the power of God's wisdom, right? The power of God's favor. The power of his truth. The power of his redemption over anything that's broken. The power of his righteousness. The power of his forgiveness over strength, of his confidence, of his salvation, the power of his self-control. We have that. The power of his joy, the power of his wealth. There's so much power we have in Christ. It's surpassing of what we can understand. I mean, he tells us right here, we cannot understand it. So even when I, I believe, even when he opens our eyes to it, we're not going to be able to get it all. But we're going to be able to have enough to go, that's my source. We constantly look at ourselves and we say, I can't. I don't have enough. Or we make excuses of why this is just impossible. But Paul said, and that's why Paul's saying, you need a revelation. <laughs> you need a revelation to know what you have on the inside of you. It will surpass. It will go past anything you think about yourself. In other words, you can't even describe what God could do in the way that he wants to pour out. You know, so often we strive and we strain, we lay awake at night and we worry and we fret and we reason it through. And, and I know I find myself doing that at times. And the Holy Spirit will just go, Sharon, you have a faucet. Turn it on whenever you want. Now it's up to me if I turn it on or not. If I turn from my weakness and turn toward his strength, right? If I turn from my inability and turn to his power and his ability. If I turn from my lack and turn to his provision. If I turn the knob and I get whatever I need, whether it's an emotional need, a physical need, a financial need, just a, you know, a silly need, I have a faucet. I can turn it on whenever I want. 
You know, practically speaking, even just reading through scripture, I mean, God's power is displayed right before our eyes in the craziest of ways, right? That the sun would come up, that he would hold that ocean back from, you know, just like consuming us right here. That, that things could work to where this house could hold us up, you know? I mean, all these different things, that might look like man's power. That's God's power. The power that he gives us that we can breathe. But you, you read through his scripture and you see the things that God did through his power. Such creative things. I mean, he spoke the world into existence. Like, he spoke that. He said it and it appeared. Wow. I mean, just meditate on that today. Take in that view of what he does, you know? God shut the mouths of lions. He dispenses angels into the earth. I was reading as I was preparing for that class I was telling you about last night that I teach, and I was reading in Joshua a couple weeks ago, and I don't know how I missed this, but I was just like, really, God? But like when the Israelites were fighting a battle one time, God opened up the heavens and just poured out rocks on the enemies. Wow. I was like, how did I miss that? Like, God's just throwing rocks. Like, <laughs> like I, I wish he'd throw some rocks on some of my enemies. No, not really. He did, right? He did. He crushed the enemy. He calmed storms. He opened blinded eyes. Gave words of knowledge. Gave strength. He resurrected himself from the dead. I mean, the power. His power has no limit. Nothing is too hard for God. The Bible says. There's so many things that we can see with our eyes, the power of God, but it's also the stuff that happens on the inside of us, right? That kind of power is so important. Perhaps the greatest, you know, the power to live in fullness in a world that's draining everyone else dry. That's power. When I turn the flow of his power on and let it pour into me, the power of his confidence, the power of his courage, the power of his boldness, his identity, to have a willing heart, to have a sense of self-control. That's all the power of God. It gets all the way deep down into my deepest fears, maybe that I have never even voiced or that I don't even know or, or I haven't even identified, but, but they cause me to behave. That, that power gets down into those things, but it also fills me up to a height with power. I change in that moment when I get in the flow of his power from being a victim to being an overcomer. For little needs, for big needs, it doesn't matter. I have a faucet, right? I can turn it on whenever I want. And you know what? I love this. God said this to me the other day. I'm not going to scream down from heaven, hey, that's enough. You've been running that faucet long enough today. Turn it off. Don't you know somebody has to pay the water bill? I just love it. I start laughing. He said, you can leave it running all day long if you want because the bill has already been paid. Isn't that awesome? God is so good. He's so good. I started laughing out loud when he told me that. Because oh, so I've said that to my kids. Turn that off. Don't you know we pay for that water? God's not going to say that to us. Because there's just free-flowing supply, right? Keep reading with me, though, because it just gets so good. As if it could get better, right? He says, these, these, this word, so powerful, this word alone. These, pointing back to those three things, right? The hope the riches, the power. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. These things in our lives, the hope, the power, the riches, they're poured out 
is what he's saying. In the same measure, you know how you measure things out? The same measure that God used to raise Jesus from the dead, from the depths of hell, to the highest place in heaven. Talk about the height and depth of his love, right? That was the biggest victory of all time. Meaning, that feat took more of the, ener the, the Holy Spirit's you know, energy and effort than anything else in the world. And he's saying that's the same measure that he will use to work out and to give you and pour out the hope, the riches, and the power in your life. And look at this, because he says, and you cannot miss this, the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who, what? Believe. believe. You've got to believe. And it is your belief that will cause you to turn. It is your belief that will cause you to stop striving after a fullness of riches and power and hope from this world and turn to the source that really has it. It's your belief. Here's the thing, ladies. You know what? This should not ever be coming out of our mouths. I wish I had the strength to do that. Amen. I don't have enough. Amen. I'm this way, so that's why I can only be this. This is hopeless. Is your situation more difficult than raising the Son of God? No, it's not. Is your situation more difficult than transferring Him from the lowest place in hell to the highest place in heaven? If not, shut your mouth and reach over and turn on the fountain, right? Right? That's what we have to do. We have to stop saying this stuff out loud, making these kinds of declarations over our lives. Just be quiet and turn on the fountain. And I say that out of love, but I also say that out of my own personal experience of learning. I have a fountain. I have a faucet. I can turn it on whenever I want. I ask God earlier in this year for a supernatural revelation of his love and he's given it. He has yes. spared nothing in showing me how much he loves me and provides for me, not just for the world, but for me and for you. He spared nothing. When I was praying that prayer in the early days, I've had to repent for saying this. God, I need more than words on a page. I know what your word says, but I don't feel like you love me. God has used the words on the page to explain to me and show me how much he loves me. The power of his word is the way that he communicates and he speaks to us. Word after word, word after word after word after word right here. Declarations of his love. And not just a declaration, I do this, but let me show you how you can step into this and walk in this and experience it and live it every day. And he goes then right into a declaration that's just so rich and it's a declaration of his authority that gives him the right to say, you have a faucet. That gives him the right to declare that the fountain of life has been turned back on. Read with me in verses 21. It's, or starting in verse 20, it says, He seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. He says, Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He put all things in subjection under his feet, and he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's right. The authority, the authority of Jesus holds such a great blessing of confident security for us. 
I have dealt so much and I still deal with insecurity. A lot of people are very surprised to hear that about me because I stand up in front of people. It doesn't matter. A lot of people that stand up in front of people are some of the most insecure people in the world, and I being one of them, all right? A lot of it stems back to things from being a little, you know, just, we all have, but God can redeem, right, all of that. But oh, to know security, right? If God could, could fill us up with security alone, that would change most of our lives because most women are insecure, I've come to find out. The truth here, that Jesus is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Every name, just like he spared nothing, like he touched everything and said, not that, not that, not that, not that. It doesn't matter if it happened back then or now. It doesn't matter if they were living then, now, might live one day. It doesn't matter. Jesus is above all of them. Everything, everything, these very qualified words, everything, every age, it's all in subjection to him. It's under his feet. There is no name. Nothing has more authority than him. So in the simplest terms, that means my dad is better than yours, right? <laughs> right? That, that old game we used to play, right? God will always have the last word. And if he said, the fountain's on, the fountain's on. If he said, we have a faucet, we have a faucet. But we have to believe that. We have to really believe that. This also tells us that he was given as the head of the church, which is his body. Now, I'm not going to go into great detail here. I think we all understand the church is not a building. We've all done that church steeple thing, you know, right? Okay, it's not a building. It's people, right? I don't even remember how to do that again. Maybe we can do that later. But it was a long time ago when I was the preschooler sitting in church doing that. But it's the people, right? The people are the church. So that means we are the church. Believers all over the world are the church. And this last phrase that Paul is using He's not describing Jesus. He's describing the church. He's the head of the church. He says, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's a description of the church. The idea here, I believe, is that if the church lived with enlightened eyes, right? If our eyes were really opened to the hope, to the riches, to the power, and we accessed the flow of this big three at all times. If we move beyond the basic two, we would be so filled up with the life and the love of God and we would be spilling out on the world. He's prophesying here what the church should be if the church lived what is in this chapter. If we really received and took our position as inheritors, we'd be so full that we'd spill out over all the world. And the fullness of him would not only fill us, but it would fill the world up with his glory. The fullness of him who fills all in all. It is God's will. You want to know what God's will for your life is? His will is that you and I would be filled up to all the fullness of Christ. That we would experience his fullness every single day, every moment, every season, because we know where our source is, we're confident and believe that we have access to it, and we turn on our fountain at any moment that we need it. God's will is that you and me and the church, as we individually do this, be full. I'm almost 52 years old, and this year the Lord has had to deal with me as a little girl. I'm just learning at almost 52 years old, how to turn on a source that has been available to me all along. If the church is really going to be the answer to this prophecy, if we're going to fulfill this prophecy, ladies, we got to get with this long before our 50s. 
I'm just saying, right? I can't go back and change. God can redeem, and he is. And I'm looking forward to now that I know this truth, walking it out and living in it. But here's the thing. A lot of you are a lot younger than I am. And my prayer is that you in your youth will grab onto the faucet. That you will stop walking over to all the other faucets in this world and turning them on and setting the bucket of your life under them and then going, that doesn't work, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, this doesn't work. And then later, you're 52 and figuring it out. Figure it out now. You don't have to figure it out. Ask God to enlighten your eyes, right? And then start walking in these things. So as I've been meditating on that and praying into that, I began asking the Lord, God, why is it? Because it was sad for me. And I was sad for what I've missed out on and, and the things that God could have done in my life had I understood this and known this before. But like I said, I can't change the past. God can redeem the past, and he is. But I began asking him, if you really have done this, and he has, I know he has, he says he has, and he's the authority, right? So if you've really done this, and if it is really your will that the church be all filled up with your fullness, why is the body of Christ really living so empty? Because I can tell you, I've, for the last 11 years, been probably across every denominational line that there is, spending intimate time and in having intimate conversations with people. And I'm telling you, it's rampant across the body of Christ. So as I ask the Lord that, I want to quickly show you the five things that he impressed upon my heart. He said, we don't know. Sorry, you put your notebook away. I just keep going. God keeps going. You're good. Okay. He said these things. We don't know the gospel. We don't know the gospel. The gospel is our view of life. If we, or the view of his love and the flow of his love in life. If we only have a preschool understanding of the gospel, we won't be able to really see with an adult view of God's flow and understanding of our position as an inheritor of it. Ignorance of the gospel has become the enemy's greatest tool in keeping the church from God's fullness. And I know it blocked my view for so many years. God says, not knowing the gospel is keeping my church from living in my fullness. He also said this. He said, you're not appropriating the gospel into everyday life. You're not appropriating the gospel into everyday life. See, many times we just leave the gospel in these religious boxes. We pull it out for our quiet time. We pull it out for, you know, church time. We pull it out for our small group time. And then we pack it away and put it away in a special place so we can take it back out. But then we go into the world and we start seeking the world for fullness. And that's the way I lived for so many years. Hang on. And that's the way that I still can find myself in that mindset. God says not appropriating the gospel into everyday life is keeping my church from my fullness. I know I can see you all just writing. Just listen right now. I will leave my notes right here. And if you want to come copy them in a few minutes, you can. Okay? Just listen. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Okay? So the first one, we don't know the gospel. The second, we don't appropriate the gospel into everyday life. He also said this. We ignore the Holy Spirit. We ignore the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit as a seal of his promise to us, to give us that security, to give us that confidence, to point us to our place as an inheritor, to continually be speaking to our redemption and showing us a view 
of it. There's so many roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives, but so many believers don't even know about the Holy Spirit, rarely interact with the Holy Spirit or acknowledge his presence. He is the one that enlightens our eyes. So if we don't even pay attention to him, how are our eyes going to see? We're walking around blind. We're walking around blind. God says ignoring the Holy Spirit is keeping my church from living in my fullness. Two more. God said, you're missing out on the big three. So many believers have not moved beyond the basic two and into the big three. We've not turned on our fountains to experience the hope, the riches, the power of God. If you look even at the gatherings of so many believers in the church today, they're about faith in the Lord Jesus. They'll say a little bit about that. But what is it really all about? Fellowship with one another, loving on one another, which is great stuff. And then the majority of the time together is really the riches of the world. The food of the world, uh, the entertainment of the world, the holidays of the world, all of that stuff. And it's all built around the basic two. The basic two are great, but it's just the beginning. God has so much more for us. And so often what we do is we seek it from the world. We seek the riches, the hope, the power from the world, as if the world would have a better source, right? As if the water of life would be sweeter here than from the creator of life and the giver of life. And God says when you try to find the big three in other places, you're going to continually deal with an emptiness in your life that won't go away. And finally, God spoke this to my heart. We don't really believe in his authority. We don't really believe it. And because of that, too often we're insecure. So we flip back and forth between running to God sometimes, you know, when our hearts get stirred, but then running to the world. We don't really believe in the, all these exact qualifications that he is above all, that he, everything is in subjection to him. And God said, when the church believes my place and my authority, they will live securely in my fullness. Now, I don't know if you see yourself in any of those five statements. I have seen myself in those statements. I do see myself in those statements. And I'm thankful that God loves me enough to speak truth, right? He loves me enough to speak truth. I can only assess those things for myself. I can only look and go, have I moved beyond the basic two? Am I living in the fullness of the, the big three? Am I believing in the authority of God? Am I accessing the Holy Spirit? I can only assess that for me. And you can only assess that for you. God says these things not to crush us, never to crush us, right? He was crushed so we wouldn't have to be. That's what the Bible says. Why in the world, you know, why, why would he try to crush us when he went through a crushing on our behalf? And he doesn't say it to shame us either. He died to take shame off of us. So why would he be putting it back on us? It doesn't even make sense. It's not about crushing or shame. That's not about it at all. He can't stand it to see all that we're missing. And so he speaks truth and all that the world is missing because if we were filled up with those things, we'd be spilling over. And then we would be walking in this prophetic word that Paul gave. So I want to invite you to respond again to the word of the Lord and to a time of God enlightening your eyes. You've got a response sheet in your folder and here's what we're going to do, okay? We're going to spend just a few minutes, like maybe five, six minutes. We're going to play some worship music. And just give you a moment to respond to those things. The main ideas of what we just talked about from this passage are listed at the top of this response sheet. It says Saturday morning response sheet. And here's what I want you to do. Just work your way through that for five, six minutes, whatever. 
And then I'm going to come back up and prompt us into gathering into some groups of two, maybe three. I think we have an odd number, so you might have to have a, maybe one or two groups of three. But the idea is really one-on-one, okay? And let's just make sure that everybody is included in something, you know? So just have your eyes around you to make sure that somebody gets invited into that when we get to that moment. And then we just want to encourage you to share what God has been saying in your heart and then pray together. We won't take a ton of time to do that. And I would just encourage you to stay right here to do that. And don't get real loud. Like talk in hushed tones so that, you know, it doesn't overcome and nobody can hear. But for right now, let's just have this quiet response time to these things that God has been speaking. And then I'll prompt you into those one-on-one moments for you. Okay? Thanks.